Welcome to No Challenges in Raining. I am Ben Rothenberg, joined by Courtney Nguyen. Hello, Courtney. How are Hello, you? Hello, Ben. I'm doing well. And yourself? We are in New York together. That was not an answer. I'm doing well. Rusty. I don't know how to do conversations We are so anymore. rusty at this. It's so weird. So this is our first time doing an episode together in a while. We did, We did. Um, those of you who follow the show, we did post the audio earlier Friday. We're recording this late Friday. Actually, probably already Saturday. Probably clock at midnight before we started. Posted the audio of the show, uh, of Nick McCarville's show that he hosted, Open Playbook. A couple nights ago, last night, at the Housing, Housing Works, Works Bookstore. Bookstore Cafe. Yeah, there you go. And that was great. Uh, it but was. It was not a normal NCR episode, so this will be our first normal NCR episode in a while. And we didn't get to record one together at Wimbledon. You left before the men's final happened, so that made it tricky. Uh, we and did it, record one. <laughs> we did record one, and it just got weird and lost. It was long and... It was way it was unhinged. way rambly. It yeah. was a little unhinged. Not necessarily in terms of content, but just it wasn't tight. It was bleary. It was it was bleary. It was we were tired. It had been a long European residency for both of us. Yeah. Um, and we were a little punchy and maybe a little bit over it. I don't know. Like we were decently over it. <laughs> it was it was not like I I remember normally I end episodes and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that was that was that was good. People like that. This one I was I hung up and I was like I don't know. Anyway, all that is to say, we are here. We are, you know, doing the show when we can. We were saying, we are talking the other night, like, we haven't done that much NCR as much this year, period. And part of that, I think, is just a bit of a natural life cycle of us in tennis. We are obviously going to do this Grand Slam draw show, which we will hopefully always do so long as NCR exists. It's a very easy, obvious, relevant, quick, timely show to do. But for the most part, when there's not something that obvious, like the prompt, like we have done, this is going to be in terms of real numbers. This is in fake numbers. It's episode 212, which is very New York. But <laughs> in uh, in real numbers, it's like 267-ish. It's like a lot. We've said kind of everything we have to say about a lot of things in tennis. And the same people are still here. I mean, we have an Nadal Ferrer match in this tournament. So, you know. We have Sharapova Schneider in this I tournament. <laughs> so... You know, has that much changed? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, but just quickly, I mean, Ben and I, yeah, we, we've been in discussions about this recently. I mean, it's weird. You would think that we would just turn on the mic while we're having these discussions and then create podcasts. We could, if we turned, if we spliced together, if we had, like, a traveling sound guy who just, like, was there to tape all of our dinner table conversations, he would have amazing blackmail on us. A, amazing. But he would also be have, be able to pot together quite a few episodes. Yeah, so, for sure. But, um, uh, but yeah, but, but there is... Lots to talk about going into the U.S. Open, um, including the draws, including a bunch of different things. So we are ready to We're chat ready to do Steve. it. And not that there hasn't been nothing to talk about. Right, I mean, for like, sure. For sure. Like we Obviously, have... Ben, you had your Davis Cup stuff. Davis Cup stuff. In Cincinnati, we showed an episode. Weirdly, my brake stopped working on my car, which if you've never had brake failure in your car and ever like, pushed down on a brake pedal and had little to nothing happen before, it's a thrill like none other. I have to you. say, Ben is, uh, is always, always, always unfazed. By anything that the world throws at him, it's what I adore about him. But the break, the break thing freaked you out. Like that's as freaked out as I've seen you, like in real life. I mean, luckily we weren't like on the middle of the highway no, going seventy all. when it happened. But you were definitely concerned, like genuinely. I knew they were very broken. Yes. I was like, I was, I was, <laughs> I was confident that these were very broken breaks. Fair. So that I mean, that was no sort of like, oh, it'll be okay in the morning. Like, no, I know these are, these are dead. So all I have to say, weirdly, that took away a lot of our free time in Cincy. 
I mean, going to the mechanic three times to get the brake fixed. I actually got, leaving Cincinnati on Monday, I got 10 miles outside of Mason, and all the lights came back on, and, they, and I turned around, and by the time I got back to Mason, they had stopped working again. So that was all fun. Those are all excuses. Whiny, but valid context. excuses. Context. Context yeah. and excuses are two different things. We are just providing context as to why a thing happened or didn't happen. I feel like it's an aggressive segue to talk about excuses and start talking about Serena Williams. Oh my, okay. But Where are you going with it's this? It's right there at the top of the draw. Serena Williams comes into the U.S. Open. Start with the ladies' draw. Getting to be number 17 after the USTA said it would boost her seating because of considerations for maternity leave, women having having babies and stuff like that. A pretty modest boost, honestly, considering all the fanfare with which they announced this new policy back right before Wimbledon was about to announce its seatings very aggressively, how they timed that. It was very that gif, you know, of, of the girl walking in being like, hey. Oh, It was yeah. very that because Wimbledon was literally about to announce where Serena was and there was like, boom, press release in your inbox. We're going to bump everyone, you know, like moms are great and we're going to bump Serena's seat. It's like, okay, let Wimbledon have their time. So then <laughs> so then Serena, obviously makes Wimbledon final and does great, but then does not register very good results on the hard court. She comes out. And wins the first game against Joanna Conta, then loses 12 straight, losing 6-1, 6-0, most lopsided loss of her career. Uh, in then, San Jose. In San Jose, right, the new San Jose tournament, which you were at. I was. Then she pulls out of Canada, citing personal reasons. Then she plays uh, first match in Cincinnati, beats Gavrilova pretty soundly. Like looked two, really good. 2-2, two 2-1, and two, two and one, something along those lines. Then second round, she gets a tough draw against Petra Kvitova, and it's a very high-quality match. Uh, both of them look pretty good, and Serena loses. So she gets only three matches on the American hardcourts, loses two of them. Not very Serena-type numbers. This is the fewest hardcourt wins in the lead-up that she's had going into a U.S. Open since 2007, when she didn't play any lead-up tournaments. <laughs> so, I mean, considering she, cause she doesn't, hasn't scheduled very much lately, so that she did schedule and didn't get wins out of it is atypical for Serena. So all that is to say, it was the seating committee at the U.S. Open put her at 17, which was, a, a like I said, only a moderate, moderate boot, only one boost only one bracket up in the seedings. The draw comes out, and the draw does her even fewer favors than USCA did. First two matches are not bad against Magdalena, and then the winner of Dolheide Vithoff. That's not, and nothing to complain about there. But then she gets Venus, possibly third round. Or Svetlana Kuznetsova, but mostly Venus is the one we'll talk about. Or Camilla Georgie, who she played in the uh, quarters of Wimbledon. And then possibly Simona Halep in the fourth round. Like, this is... With a potential Garbina Muguruza, who yeah. could get things back together in the quarters, to play potentially Sloane Stevens in the semis, to then play whoever comes out of the other side of the bracket, which could be an Anjali Kerber, could be a Petra Kvitova again. I mean, yeah, this 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 is this is not this is not the Wimbledon draw. No, Wimbledon draw broke Serena's way. Absolutely, started good, got better yeah. for Serena. This one will need a lot of work to make this draw pleasant for her let's put it that way i mean because really because she before the draw came out she and halep are the top two osmakers favorites to win the tournament and just probably in normal parlance too i think anyone would pretty much agree with that uh kerber was number three pretty tight number three ahead of sloan mm-hmm. kerber was ahead of sloan mm-hmm. i would put sloan ahead of kerber fair that's fair that's weird i mean it, it's interesting though like reflecting on serena summer because yes you know she took two very kind of i mean pretty high profile losses but there were such different losses yeah right i mean like the conta loss obviously extenuating circumstances there and go into those i didn't mention those before sure i mean because she's now publicly spoken about it in the in the the big time article but um she says uh, or she said in time in the time magazine article that she found out just minutes hours maybe 10 minutes before taking the court against johanna conta in san jose that the man who was convicted of killing her sister Yutunde, um, I don't know how long ago was that. Like f- 2003, she was murdered. Yeah, I think. so like 15 years ago was my 
Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure when he was convicted, but yeah. Sure. Um, uh, but the man who shot and killed her sister was um, going to be released on parole. Yeah. And, or uh, Art was being rearrested or just... His uh, name was back in the news. Yes, his name was back in the news. Yeah. It's, a, it's a little bit confusing as of the last time that I tried to delve into what had happened. Uh, but anyways, so she had found that out um, and she was understandably distracted and under duress and, you know, didn't play... I mean, obviously played a bad match, but... but um, wasn't so, look, I've seen Serena Williams play a tennis match that she wasn't completely invested in. Um, yeah. and you can usually tell when that is. I didn't get that sense that day. Um, I think that she really did want to win that match and, you know, uh, and that was where her head was at. Obviously the, the loss to Petra Kvitova in the second round of Cincinnati was so different because to me, that is the best Serena has looked this entire year. Mm-hmm. I was so incredibly impressed by it. Petra Kvitova was played one of the best matches she's played this year as well, and um, and yeah, so it, it I don't, I it, it's it's disingenuous to say oh Serena is one and two yes she is you know coming into the U.S. Open on summer hard courts, but that performance against Kvitova in Cincinnati, I mean that gave me so much more confidence in her than I think any performance she's put together, really this year. So, you know, so I definitely. Whereas, like, going into Wimbledon, people, when there was whispers, or even the French Open, when there was whispers that she was, like, a shortlist favorite to win the title, I admittedly was a bit um, dismissive of that. I really didn't see the the game and the metrics to really support that. But at the French Open, if you tell me that she's on the shortlist, you know, to win the tournament, I'm like, yeah. US Open, you mean. I'm sorry. Yeah. At the US Open. Yeah. French Open's on our minds, you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and what will she wear? And what will she wear? And will it scandalize convicted criminal Bernard Guticelli. Find out more as the first round begins. Tennis. Uh, but yeah, weird. so so I, I, I'm definitely much more confident. And then the draw comes out. And then I'm like, ooh. Like, because, again, I don't want, I want to sound like a broken record, and this goes back to what we were saying before about not having new things to say. But with Serena, it's not about the level. I know that she can hit the level. I just, I just have questions whether or not she can hit that level for seven matches. Um, and, and, and she will have to hit that if this draw holds up, which is an if, Yeah. you know, I mean, Halep has Kanepi first round, you never know first round and it's Kaya at a slam. Even Pavel Yuchenkova, who's Halep's third round tournament, very very tough tough in Canada. In Canada, three set match, grueling one. And I I really don't love that matchup for Halep, even though obviously the numbers go pretty well her way. But, you know, I mean, Serena could have to beat, if the draw holds up, Lynette, uh, Dolahide, um, Venus or Kuznetsova, you, we can argue about which one would be the tougher opponent. Maybe even a Georgie, as you said. Halep into the round of the fourth round. Uh, Muguruza or Pliskova in the in the quarters. Both to, of whom are players who've beaten her at slams before. To play Sloan, who's playing very well and will be hyper motivated. At that point, you have to think, okay, Serena's going to be, you know, super, um, you know, in form if she yeah. makes the semifinals, um, and then potentially to play a Kerber, you know, on the other side or a Kvitova. That's that's a brutal draw. It's a brutal draw, and it, it's it's Serena's human. I mean, the whole this whole year and Serena talking, opening up about what she didn't mention before about her postpartum issues, which she also cited before. Right. Yes, stuff kind of she additionally added that in an Instagram post, I believe. You know, she's as much as people. It's not respectful. We've said this many times. I show about Serena for sure, uh, and lesser extent about Rafa, but definitely a lot about Serena. It's disrespectful to her to think, oh, that she's a lock for everything like this, especially this tournament if you don't give her cut her some expectations slack or at least be like this is a 
legitimately hard road. You're disrespecting the field immensely. If you look at this draw and say, oh, Serena will Disrespecting her situation. Everything about it. Everything just, about it. It's disrespectful, as someone would say. And, it's, you know, it's so, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, I feel like I've gone on this rant on the podcast before. It is so hard to do what Serena Williams is looking to do, was looking to do at the French Open, was looking to do at Wimbledon, and is looking to do at the U.S. Open. It is so hard under the best circumstances yeah. if she's a healthy 37-year-old you know, professional tennis player, goat or not, it, it's difficult. And then you add on and compound that with chasing history, coming off of obviously um, having a child, her first child, having health complications related to that. It's tough. And meanwhile, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, this field has gotten stronger while she's been yeah. away. And um, it was actually interesting because I was talking to somebody on the bus today about, um, as I segue randomly, but about Daria Gavrilova. Uh, Gavrilova, mm. sorry, but it's Gavrilova, but it is Gavrilova because that's how she pronounces it in Australia. But um, but just talking about her and about we were discussing whether or not um, Dasha's level has dropped or has the field gotten better? Like, you know, because like basically saying it hasn't been a great year for her and has she stalled out and does she have to do different things? And I was just kind of saying, you know, watching Dasha, I think she's playing the same way. I, I don't think that her level has necessarily dipped dramatically to to be this bad but i think that the field has gotten a lot better in the last 12 months that would be a better book on her also yeah yeah yeah, exactly so you know with serena it's it's kind of the same general thing it's not that she isn't that great she is i think this field is tough let's talk about who has gotten very good in this field and we haven't talked about we should have this draw from her perspective right now top seed simona halep who I think if the U.S. Open Series still existed, would have won the U.S. Open Series <laughs> um, by winning Canada in a great run, uh, including a great, great final against Sloane Stevens, one of the better matches of the year, and then made it to the final of Cincinnati. Had a match point in that second set against Kiki Burton's. Duffed that forehand return. Oh, it's going to haunt her. But no, it was like a decent match point. was decent. Mm, I thought she had match point and she just missed a return. Hmm. Feel anyway. free to fact check both of us. I thought because I just remember being like, "What the fuck? What the heck was that?" <laughs> like she, it just, it was just such a cautious return. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, anyway, whatever. Simona's playing well, and Simona is. I've been saying this all year about her. That she has worn the number one ranking, like it's like a pedestal for her or a trampoline rather than a weight on her shoulders. Does that surprise you, Ben? I wouldn't have necessarily expected it. Given the sample size of previous women who've gotten to number one without a um, number one without a bullet, let's say it that way. I mean, and even ones who did get number one with a bullet, like an Angelique Kerber, who or beat Serena at a slam final and, you know, got, won the U.S. Open to claim number one for the first time. Like, you can't get a more emphatic thing than, than Kerber. And then, I guess she made the Singapore final later that year, but she, in 2017, just stunk. And then... So when Halep gets it being a slamless number one and all the stigma that goes with that, and we've seen how previous women have struggled under that under that weight, uh, she's done the opposite. I mean, she didn't win Australia, but she came dang close. You know, and the whole year pretty much has been seamlessly great, and she's built on her lead. Her When she was year number one last year, her ranking points total was, was I think, the lowest of any ever. Year number one, it was like 6,000-something. It, it just showed how level the field was. She was like barely peeking above the rest of the field. It was a very close finish. I think seven women in Singapore yeah, had a chance that's right. to get it. This year, she is running away from the pack. She is distancing herself from the peloton and backing it up with consistently good tournaments. And it's just, you kind of, in this tournament, in in this era of women's tennis, in which no one would ever dare use a pen, 
you almost feel safe like putting her through a few rounds. Like you say, Kanepi. I know Kanepi made quarters here, but like I'm kind of like, but Mona. What happened to you? But you know, you used to be a Kanepi evangelist, and now you're like, no chance against Simona Howe. What's wrong with I you? Was never any such thing. But <laughs> but you know, but as they misspelled her nickname in the Cincinnati program, she's kind of in money lately. <laughs> you know, solid. You know, so I I think Simona Simona was. I talked to uh, Raymond Sloiter after. Slouter. I never know my Dutch vowels. Sluiter, David. Sluiter, I don't know. I think it's slouter. It, it's it's definitely not sluter, which some people think, but I it's. Think slo- I always sluiter? say sluiter. I think it's slouter. Anyway, Raymond. <laughs> which is Coach probably wrong, too. It's probably Ramon or something. <laughs> no, it's Raymond. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ramon Slouter. <laughs> Ramon Slouter. Uh, sorry, that's. I don't think it's offensive because Dutch people are. Who cares? Um, <laughs> They're not sensitive, is what I'm saying. I think they're upfront people. Yeah, <laughs> they they own their their language. They own their it's... vowels. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but he was saying like after Kiki beat Simona that like yeah, Simona's the favorite to win the US Open for me. Like I think she's been the best player and she's the clear pick. Yeah, well, and, I, had... and I and I and I would have bet that too before. And I and I say this, I feel like I have to say this in the Serena era as well as Serena played against Kvitova, piecing together match by match. Like she just hasn't shown. She's if you want to be like there are stats you can pull for Serena right now that make it look bad. She has lost three of her last four matches. She has lost three straight matches against top ten players. She hasn't been a top ten player all year. Yeah, that's, that's a, a big, big one, one for me. Yeah. That's a big one. You know, and so there are holes you can poke in Serena. Simona doesn't have the holes. Simona has been solid, 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 solid. Like a very holeish cheese, like a like a really sharp cheddar. You know, just there's nothing Swiss remotely about this Romanian. <laughs> so I, anyway, I like her chances. I would, I, I think that she, the Serena match will be a big test for her. It'll be arguably the, definitely the highest profile match I've ever played in the u.s if there is a fourth round clash possibly on labor day with Oof, yeah. with simona and serena it could be a big big deal and i don't know how she responds to that kind of pressure where she's the favorite on paper because previously against serena she's played serena pretty well in her career yeah uh, they had a she's... great match at the u.s open a few years ago yeah. that i thought was really underrated 2016 yeah, yeah i thought that no, was... It was a quarterfinal it was a really good match and one of the better matches simona's ever played yeah yeah I thought but so. I, the, the the dynamic will be different this time for simona and it's just a question of her getting her head on for that and wearing because she does not that she's like your typical alpha kind of like swagging in the hallway being like what's up i'm money how you doing <laughs> i'm gonna beat you tomorrow <laughs> No, it's but literally her inner monologue. <laughs> exactly how she talks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so all that is to say, Simona uh, is a tough player, and it's a tough draw for both of them because they would have been my top two picks in the tournament with Simona probably first. So other, yes, yeah, so they mentioned the quarterfinal opponents. This that either Serena, Simona, or someone else in the field gets uh, Pliskova. You, you you tweeted that Pliskova. I think you tweeted that Pliskova is working with Conchita Martinez. Yes. After previously having worked in Cincinnati. With uh, Renee Stubbs. I think you said this is like a one-off term yeah. for Conchita, though. It's a one-off. Uh, first of all, hooray for people following the Alexander Krunich method and, and hiring female coaches. We, we love that. There's many out there. There are. Check the wanted pages. <laughs> or, you know, women check the wanted pages and hopefully find some listings. That's because it's had a very disappointing year for me. I have, I think I've said that on the show before. Uh, she was number one this time last year. She's number eight and falling and just doesn't seem to be herself. Uh, and it was better in Cincinnati when I saw her there. She I was. didn't. I didn't watch her in, in New Haven where she got clobbered by somebody. I think Makarova. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Muguruza too is also a disappointing year. Muguruza got to number one after the U.S. Open last year. Comes in this year number twelve. And no one is talking about her. No. Which is a little dangerous because and for her, the field because her draw is pretty good. Her draw is not the first two rounds are good. I mean, she, well, Zhang Shuai. Zhang, oh, Zhang Shuai is legit. But Zhang Shuai is coming off of Asian Games, um, oh, so yeah. she might be a bit fatigued. 
in that match. But yeah, that that's a tough one. Potential second round against Dara Yastremska. Yastremska. And then a potential third round against uh, uh, Ash Barty. Um, even a Petra Martic or Lucy Safarova. Those could be tough third I don't rounds. Hate that draw. I, don't, I mean, Fair if enough. she loses, it's her fault. Sure, I, but she has had injury problems over the summer. Hasn't played very much. Comes into the tournament definitely under the radar. No one's even talking to her. I mean, this is one of the first like pre-tournaments where uh, Garbina wasn't part of the, the the who you were put up. You know, does she need a, if there if she winds up losing in the fourth round to a player coached by Conchita Martinez? Can the heavens open up and send a sign to her any more clearly? I doubt it. I mean, I and 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 and, and you know, jumping off of that, I I really love kind of like this Pliskova Conchita Martinez thing because. With Pliskova, especially in Cincinnati, what she was really emphasizing about why she had hired Stubbsy was, you know, she wanted to 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 be happy on the court and to feel yeah. calm. And I think that's the one thing that Conchita Martinez really brought to uh, Garbina Muguruza for those two weeks at Wimbledon when Muguruza went on to win the title. They were just having quiet barbecues at home. It was chill. I think that that's what Carolina is looking for. Um, and so even if it's just for two weeks, I think that it'll just be such a good release for Pliskova to kind of reset before she goes into the Asian swing. And, you know, she's number eight in the world, but she has semifinals from Singapore points floating her her ranking a little bit. So it's a little bit inflated. I she's on the bubble for Singapore this yeah, year. Yeah, which is, like, so crazy. And, and both Ben and I are so high on Carolina. And I think that's why, like, when yep. you say she's been terrible, I'm like, hold on, she's not been terrible, but we expect By her to be standard, top five. If anyone remembers the 2017 Australian Open draw show, I think. We spent like 20 minutes talking about about how she was the future. And now we have egg on our face. It's very like, I, you know, Tyra. Like, There's a a Tyra situation. There's a Tyra Tyra situation bubbling. We'll see what happens in the the season end show. (laughs) But we we still think. (laughs) We adore her. She's still a hoot. She's still awesome. I love Carolina. Uh, The next section of the draw, I think a huge draw winner is Sloane Stevens. Defending champion. Gets a very comfortable draw. Fun fact for you. Which player in this tournament will have played her last three matches on Arthur Ashe Stadium? Actually, no, she didn't get put on Ash. Never mind. That's that was going to be great because it would have been a Gany Rodina who played two matches. That's on that stat I made up would have been awesome, it but it great. is not rooted I, in fact. But look at me fact checking so quickly. Uh, Stevens faces Rodina, and then the winner of Kalinina and Von Dijkman, first ever Lichtenstein, to make yeah. it into the main draw of a Grand Slam after Stephanie Vogt, I think, made a final round of qualities right. once, at least once. Sloan could play uh, Gavrilova or Azarenka in the third round of the two names there. Azarenka, Sloan finally got, had been a nemesis for, for Sloan for quite a while, but she got a win over her in India Wells. And Azarenka just hasn't been playing like her old self this year. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, she's had a couple, a couple, semi, semifinal of Miami, right? And I think that she, semis of Stanford? Not semis. Quarters? Quarters. Okay. And re- Tired against Collins. Against I remember Collins. that. I remember that. Okay, now that's coming back to me. So, yes, I mean, as rank has not been herself, would still be a dangerous opponent. I mean, they put her in a night session on Armstrong. I thought it was interesting. It's sort of interesting nod to her uh, in what's a pretty stacked part of the, the draw. schedule's out? Yeah, for the first two days. <laughs> I've been offline for the last six hours <laughs> or four hours, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's a great draw for Sloan. And, 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 and then the, the fourth round is Mertens or Stritzova, and then the quarterfinal is Svitolina or Gerges. And so I just like all of that. Yeah, no, it, it's a great draw for Sloan. I think she is the big draw winner uh, by a, a landslide, really, in the, in this um, in this draw. Uh, you know, Mertens did beat her in Cincinnati. Very different match, though, just because, I mean, 
Sloane was fatigued and a little bit, kind of had a little bit of a Montreal hangover there. She had so thoughts on that match. She did have thoughts on that match, and she had some thoughts on Elise Martins, which, not Elise Martins herself, but Elise Martins' game, which going, was yeah. weird because Sloane, during an on-court coaching timeout with Kamal Murray during that match, was incredibly frustrated, and she just kept saying that Mertens was just pushing and she would rather be hit off the court than be dealing with this type of game, but then they flashed up the stats and Mertens had hit more winners than Sloane, so I was very perplexed by what Sloane thought Sloan, she was getting. Sloane knows how to push, also, let's be clear. Sure, yeah, yeah, The yeah. pot kettle situation. Yeah, so, 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 yeah, so, so Mertens, that would be that would be big i mean that would be a, a, a match i would definitely circle sloan stevens versus elise mertens in uh in what the round of 16 yeah definitely that would be cool and um, even sloan shirts of a uh i don't remember any other matches previously shirts had a rocky kind of year that would be fun i mean that would just be a speed contest and that'd be a hoot yeah uh, a lot of long rallies and fun rallies and that one imagined uh the third quarter of the draw oh Quick shout out, but shout down to the, how the US Open does their draw ceremony. Again, it just sucks. Stop it. Uh, third quarter. You should explain for those They do it don't again know. this way. They don't do the draw in public. They don't pull it's a chips draw out of reveal. A, it's a draw reveal. And they do it in this weird order, even. It's a draw reveal. Where they do the top quarter first, and then the number two, and then the bottom uh, they go quarter. by seed. They go one right. seed, Right, and then two they do seed, whichever seed, seed, the number, another quarter, the number three seed is in next, whether it's on top half, bottom half. They don't make that as tr- crystal clear as they should. So it's not like, oh, who's on each half? And the way the draw ceremonies normally work is they start with the highest seeds and work their way down. So you find out projected semis first, like where the three and four seeds land. And then you find out the quarters and it just sort of works like pyramidally. But that's, wait, but that's your complaint about the draw ceremony? No, that's one of many complaints. Right. That seems to me to be very, very tertiary. primary complaint. Primary complaint is you should do it in public. Right. Just because, I mean, in the U.S. Open, there was some sort of study about is the U.S. Open rigging the draws to give the top two seeds uh, easier opponents. This came out a few years ago. I never thought there was anything to that. I don't think they're doing that. I don't, I don't think, think anybody's rigging I don't think anybody's draws. draws. I just never think that. And when I get comments after draw summaries from both Rafa and Roger fans saying, it's so clear that, you know, this draw's rigged because other guy got such an easy draw again. Like, he does that every slam. Oh, I hate that guy. Maybe like, it's an easy draw because your guy's good, dude. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But also, you know, the, the the thing about it is, I agree with you, I prefer that, there, that the draw ceremony be transparent, that it's yeah in public that you draw chips that it's a manual process but the th- and that the reason why is because even when it's transparent and in public i still see men like, in my mentions rigged and yeah. i'm like but they, they literally drew things other, out of a pot so the reason they seem to do it is to give the then they have analysts break it down right. section by section and i have a lot of respect for those analysts who do it but it's not like their analyses are so much better because of that prep time like it's not like, they, and I don't mean to pick on them in this example, but I was annoyed at this. Like, in the men's draw, Dimitrov and Vavrinka are going to play each other first round. And they play each other first round at Wimbledon. And they didn't mention that in the draw show, that they play each other first round at Wimbledon. Which is, like, this obvious thing that struck out to me right away. And if you have hours to prep for this draw show, and you're still not doing better than that, you didn't spend your time well and just do it live. Well, and also, because obviously they use the ESPN analysts, ESPN has the right. It rights. was weird. They used, they used Tracy Austin in this one, too. I did see that, yeah. But, but either way... ESP- Tracy and Chris Fowler both very good at their jobs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not knock- and, and McKendry too, who's there. Yeah. Those are not knocking them. I'm just saying. No, I'm not. That, that they was added, a- they added. I'm just back myself. Just clarifying for myself. The added value to me is not worth it. No, fair enough. And and that's what I was gonna say is that like if you are 
kind of partnering, I presume maybe I'm wrong that it's maybe it's not partnered with ESPN, but in that situation, like, yeah, like you, if it's ESPN, they're also the host broadcaster for Wimbledon, which means they have Wimbledon footage, which means that like, wouldn't you pull the footage of Vavrinka Dimitrov as you're kind of talking about it from Wimbledon? It's both know. too slow and too rushed the way they do but it. But the, like... the biggest thing is like, I don't have a problem with production. Like, I just don't, I mean, that's fine. Like whatever, do it how you do it. Like all the slams are different. But I just think that it needs to be done in public. I think that there, there are too many question marks about integrity and all these sorts of things. Like, it's it's just, it's a little, it's a little, I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable. We haven't mentioned Peng Shui in the draw yet. Uh, number four seed is, uh, that's a little Peng Shui humor for you. Uh, Angelique Kerber is in this third quarter. She is a draw, I wouldn't say winner. I wouldn't say huge loser. I mean, because the Serena Simona section skews, like, the biggest losers in terms of bad luck in the draws. Kerber doesn't have an easy draw. I don't I think, think she's. I think she's a draw winner. Again, Keys. Keys is a tough matchup for her. Have you seen their head to head? I know. The Did you see that Madison Keys was like, I haven't beaten her in six matches, so like, I'm really excited about this win. And she did beat her in Cincy. I'm just saying, it's not that good. Margarita Exparian, we love her. She has a one-handed backhand. She's swell. She's been hurt. We're glad to see her I'm back. Sorry, I'm are... not saying she's going to beat her. Cornet has beaten Kerber this summer. Uh huh. That's the second round match. Okay. Sibolkova annoying player to play sue Shea, hell of a match tough match for actually, her actually i would say Simulkova in... kerber is more worrisome to me than any of the other matchups that are potentially in there except for maybe potentially ostapenko if ostapenko were to get through and they oh, would face the quarterfinal okay yeah they face a quarter but like i so you're saying angela kerber's stone cold lock that's what you're telling me here here i mean here are the seeds in her section kerber four Sibolkova, coco vandaway is coming off of an ankle injury and madison keys I think that that, if you were to ask, like, is that all right? I think it's all right. And she'll have, like, a couple of matches to kind of play herself into form. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not too worried about this section for Angie. I'm more worried about, like, the draw doesn't worry me for Anjali Kerber because she's in this the quarter anchored by Caroline Garcia as That's well. That's not the worst. So, but it's not the draw that concerns me. It's just her form. Like, whether or not she has made progress. I mean, she made progress from Montreal to Cincinnati, and she needs to make significantly more progress from Cincinnati to to here in terms of how she's playing to 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 look like a title contender because this summer she didn't look like one on the hard courts. Who beat her in Cincinnati? I can't remember. You just said Cornet. Wasn't that in Canada? Montreal. Sorry. Oh, Cincinnati. Sorry. I'm mixing up. Um, oh, sorry. Keys. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. So yeah, so both <laughs> players who are in her section. I think I'm, I don't think it's great for her. Um, I'm more intrigued by this Sharapova Sneer situation, which you mentioned in the in the intro. Uh, Sharapova has she played this summer? Yes, she played in uh, Montreal. Oh, it wasn't memorable. Hmm. Lost first roundish. Yeah, first roundish. Maybe second. Didn't go far. Yeah, no, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty quick appearance for Maria Sharapova up there. Uh, did not uh, did not play San Jose. Obviously pulled out of Cincinnati as well. So. Yeah, I mean, Sharapova, Schneider, Schneider, the oldest player to qualify for a Grand Slam uh, main draw 39, at right? 39 and is the third oldest player to ever play a women's main draw at a slam uh, behind Renee Richards and Kamiko Datekrum. Older than Martina when Martina made her weird comeback and played Catalina Castaño? Pretty sure. Yeah, maybe. Uh <laughs> That was an iconic summer for me. The, the market. <laughs> she, like, played, she played Dolko twice, and she beat Castaño in Wimbledon. She said she was playing singles to help her doubles. It was nonsense. <laughs> ben, um, ben just did air quotes. <laughs> uh, 
Sharapova, I don't consider a contender at this point with this year. However, like, and for all I know, again, with Sharapova, we don't know. Her year's been disappointing. She's kind of plateauing at this point, rankings-wise. She has not continued, continued the upward progress that she had before. But I'm just looking forward to seeing her, like, go out there and scrap with these ladies. Her playing Patty Schneider, her playing Kirstea or Risk, both of them are, like, fun, like, feisty players and then playing Ostapenko or even Pekovic who they have kind of a weird dynamic like that's fun come on that's great and then Garcia future of tennis I mean that's that's just great building right there all that I want if she gets that far she probably won't get that far but all I want is for the first round match between Maria Sharapova and Patty Schneider to be commentated by Daniela Huntikova that's all I want who's thoughts on both notable net encounters with both no exactly (laughs) whether it be the handshake in Zurich with the this is Zurich, right? Fortis championships. Luxembourg? Oh, Luxembourg is Fortis. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the Fortis, the Fortis championships, or something like that. Sure, I remember. The, I remember the sponsors, which is just a reminder. Title sponsors matter. I remember years later. Uh, but yes, uh, awkward handshake with Daniela Hantikova that led to a whole water bottle. Awkward incident. handshake. She smacked her she hand smacked out of the way. She smacked her hand out of the way. And then, of course, Maria Sharapova and Daniela Hantikova at India Wells when Daniela Hantikova said, "Oh, India Wells, it, it, she had." She was the defending champion, I think, or had won it at least before. And she's like, oh, this is like my home. I love it. Sharapova goes out and beats her. And then as Sharapova celebrates and walks to the net, looks to her box and says, this is my home. Because this is what we do. So petty. I, I love this tour so much. I just do. Patty was great for drama. Patty was great for handshake <laughs> drama. I hope that she has not matured at all. <laughs> I think she's mellowed out quite a lot. Uh, dang. All right, bottom she's quarter. She's a dog acupuncturist. I mean, that's going to mellow, mellow you out. And cat. and cat, I'm sorry. Feline and canine acupuncture. Fair. <laughs> bottom quarter. You know who could use some acupuncture? That wasn't a joke, by the way. She really she is. She really Just does. FYI, guys. <laughs> poke dogs and cats with needles uh, for medicinal for reasons. Medicinal. Caroline was the hacky. Uh, <laughs> could also use some medicine. She has been having a bad summer. Just straight up. She lost second round Wimbledon. Lost first round of Montreal to Sabalenka, which is something is obviously playing great context, whatever. And then lost to Burton's. Burton's is obviously playing great context, whatever. And had and retired with injury there. But there's question marks about her about her form heading into what has been historically her best slam after before she won Australia this year. Number two, two seed opens against Samantha Stoser. Also, it's not had a great year. That's one of those that's one of those matches like, ooh, blockbuster on paper that like in reality, in terms of like trajectories, neither of them is trending very well. Uh, Caroline's draw is not bad, not good, definitely not good. I don't think it's good. Okay, so Stoser will, yeah, I take it back, it's Van bad. Oitvank? Van Oitvank? Van Oitvank? Van Oitvank? Van Oitvank? Yes! You got it! I know. That was good. Okay. Alison Van Oitvank. Yes. Van Oitvank. It's like, I think. There's still, there's still, you're still, there's a, there's a gl- Van Oitvank. There's like a, a, a glottal? Gl- yeah, a glottal thing that you're missing, just a little bit. I don't want the glottal thing. <laughs> uh... Kayla Wozniacki, uh, Soser, then Serenko, or Van Aerusvank, and then possibly Kontovite, uh, or Tommy, Al- Tommy Alovich is playing well, uh, and then Burton's, Buzernescu is still in this tournament, uh, after ha- suffering her ankle injury in Canada, uh, looked like, we, I mean, she now says she's she's in the draw, so she's clearly having, holding out some hope of playing. Um, well, that's... I, I'm just saying, is that true? I mean, I... I hope to heck Mihaela Buzernescu takes the court uh, on Tuesday just because I I think that it's just the ultimate full circle story and I need the coda to it. She obviously, she qualified, made her main draw debut at the, at the, on WTA level, on any level here at the U S open last year. That was her first WTA tour level match was here at the U S open fast forward 
She's the freaking 21st seed after an absurd 12 months. Incredible year. Just won her first title in Stanford. Or, sorry, San Jose. I'm sorry. It's going to keep happening. I'm just going to call it Stanford North slash Cal. San Jose. Um, and uh, and then, obviously, kind of um, took a really bad ankle injury uh, up in Montreal the following week. Um, she had said that she had torn a, uh, torn a ligament. Mm-hmm. So, But she's still in the draw. Hope she takes the court. But if she's healthy. If she's healthy. Yeah, exactly. I, I will caveat that. I don't need her to play through right. some bad Yes, I don't need you to walk on the court so I can write a story. Like, no. please be healthy and be able to play. But this is where Caroline Wozniacki, I think, really is one of the draw losers in this bottom half. Because I do think that her section is pretty tough. Yeah. I think that Kiki Burton's got herself in a position where she could have another career best run at a slam. And it would be her fourth consecutive, well, not fourth consecutive because not the French Open, but at least the three slams that she always was thought of herself as an afterthought. Um, had never made it past the second round at the Australian Open, made the third round, makes a quarterfinal at Wimbledon, and then now here. So I don't know. I really like this draw for Kiki Burton. She opens up against Christina Pliskova, um, then would play either McHale or DiLorenzo in the second round, then would play, I mean, the first seed she would face would be a Buzernescu, if Buzernescu plays. Or Bouchard, who was... Bouchard, yeah, who Bouchard's was, who in there. Was crushing ladies in the qualies. Just crushing What's ladies. What's her draw in the, draw, in the qualies? What? Who did she play in the qualies? I don't remember. But she beat them handily. She beat uh, Jamie Loeb today. Before that, she beat uh, Gugordze of Georgia. And then she beat Carol Zhao, former Canadian number one. <laughs> just saying. I think this is a nice draw for Kiki Burton's. And then... It's a qualies draw. What do you want? Carol Zhao is a real player. I'm just saying. People will see. People see. Uh, but Kiki Burton's then could play Caroline. But she lost seven games or... in three matches. Like, no matter no, who no, you're sure, playing, you sure. got to be doing okay. For sure. No, Jamie Lowe's a good player. I'm not, I'm not, I don't I'm know if I've ever saying. seen Carol Shaw, but I imagine she's pretty good. Too. She's, I, I adore Carol Shaw. Love her. Love her as a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm out of that one. But, uh, but yeah, so so I, I, I like Kiki Burton's there. And then, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think this is, this is not easy for Caroline. She says that she's 100%, though. Uh, she did retire with a knee injury in Cincinnati, but I asked her today, you know, where's everything at? She says she's, she feels a hundred percent. She's practicing good. full, playing good. points, playing sets. So good. that's, that's good to see. Uh, also in this section, uh, the top half of this section, possible quarterfinal opponent for Wozniacki or Burton's would be uh, a fun section here. Petra Kvitova leading the tour in titles, uh, a draw loser for me, for sure. Kvitova, Wickmeyer and her actually have an interesting head to head in first round. And, uh, and Petra's underperformed the slams, we should add, this year. As good as the rest of her year has been, she has a slam blockage, even though in recent years this has been her best slam, which is weird because she does not like it. It is too the, it is too the crowdy. The, the, it's too the crowdy and the humidity. The humidity. But, I, I, but the, the craziest stat, just visually, when you see it, that blows my mind. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the WTA website because we now have Grand Slam grids. Oh, like Wikipedia? Yeah. That's overdue. FYI, that was just pushed out, so yay. Uh, but the craziest thing when you look at the Grand Slam grid, which is like basically a charting a player's progress year by year at the four majors, since winning Wimbledon in 2014, the U.S. Open is the only turn- Grand Slam at which she has made it past the fourth round. Yeah, and she been, did it twice. It's been weird. And it's been Two quarterfinals here. Never hasn't made a quarterfinal at any of the four majors since 2014 Wimbledon. That's nuts. It's weird. Also, super random stat. Not random at all. Hit me. But that also kind of like surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me, but it just did. When's the last time Serena Williams did lost before the semifinals at the U.S. Open? Last time Serena lost before the semifinals at the U.S. Open probably be 05 when she lost to Venus. Hmm. 
Oh, oh seven when she lost to Hannon? Correct. Okay. Yeah. That's over a decade ago, y'all. Yeah, well, that's true. Like that's crazy. Anyways, that, Serena, I was just like super Serena, Serena impressed in the, by that. In the uh, yeah, I just thought it was an impressive stat. She's been she's been that one of her better stats lately. Uh, so kind of a tough draw. Gets Wickmeyer first, uh, Wong or Schmidlova. That's not too bad. But then third round against Arena Sabalenka. Assuming Sabalenka makes out of her tough sort of surprises of 2018 special <laughs> against Danielle Collins, two of the players who we were talking about. It's you know we're talking about mm-hmm. most improved nominees. Both shortlist for that. Cyberlink has been playing great. She She's in the New Haven final. In the New Haven final. She has been just powering through people. Made semifinals of Cincinnati was her best run. She's won four of her last five matches against top ten opponents. She's, um, yeah, made semifinals in Cincy. I mean, she just wins. It, it, it's, it's really phenomenal just what she's doing. It, it's it's so impressive. And the thing with Sabalenka that I like in that it almost seems like, and obviously she hasn't won a slam yet, but like it almost seems like an upgrade of Ostapenko the way she plays because mm. everything is so aggressive but it see but she doesn't miss it's like not she's just reckless. not missing and it's not reckless Ostapenko we feels reckless this, yeah but with sabalenka it's the way that people i've heard people talk and i don't think the stats are as good but it's the way people i've heard it's the way i've heard people talk about early monica sellis and again this is a mm. very lofty comparison where she'd be go out there and be aggressive okay. and try to kill every ball but wouldn't be spraying the ball and wouldn't hit a lot of unforced errors there's this incredible physicality to her game uh i'm very impressed with her also very impressed in terms of this fourth round section off court with this New York Times profile in the magazine that came out about Naomi Osaka. Yes. I think it went online today. It was fantastic, I thought. It was really good by Brooke Larmer. Uh, Osaka hasn't had a great summer. Opened against Laura Siegmund, who has not gotten much momentum, plays Nicolescu. That'd be a fun battle of forehands. Uh, and then possibly Kasakina, that'd be a fun match. Yeah, that, that, that section is kind of like the kids' section because Kasakina uh, could play a Benchich in the second a round. Really fun so it's a real, it's, it's kind of my favorite sec, like, not that the Hala, Serena, Venus section isn't exciting and Sveta, it is, but that one kind of just stresses me out. This one's just a fun section. Like, I'm just like, I'm excited to see how this plays out. To go back to the, the Serena section for a second, like, I wrote about it, like, Serena, Venus, third round. No people. I think people want to be like, ooh, but everyone's really just like, Ugh. people don't. It's not. It's not fun. Well, I mean, Venus. I mean, it hasn't been a great season for her. She took no. a. She picked up a knee injury up in Montreal. It looked pretty bad. It forced her out of Cincinnati. Um, it's been tough. And and and, and she's outside top thirty in the race. Yeah, those wins that were coming last year. Those tough three set wins. You know, um, hasn't made it to the second week of the slam. Yeah, it, it's been. It's. It's again. I, I think that that matchup is one that is. It's that it's the trap of nostalgia, of of just like wanting to see those two players play, and then it starts happening, and you're like, well, I, I don't. I actually don't know if I want to see this. I mean, Venus's best match of the season was against Serena and Indy Wells. That was a good match. That, that was, was actually that was a good great match. performance. Great performance from her. Yeah. Um. So maybe maybe we find that again, but I'm a little bit worried about the knee injury. I'm a little bit worried that that that. Um, might hamper her a little too much to make and that section. Her first round opponent, we didn't talk about this match, but Kuznetsova is playing right. very well. So that's the draw. And done in weird order, finishing with the line number 16. Ben all mad about the order of quarters and he jumps around. I know. Touche. Americans. It's in the blood. Tell you what. Just, order? Just Forget another, about just it. Just another USTA stunt over here. <laughs> all right. So that's the women's draw. Let's look at some dudes. Yes. Rafael Nadal, defending champion who absolutely got a cakewalk through last year's tournament. There's no other way of talking about it. Uh, he didn't play a top 20 player, I don't think, in the tournament. And obviously he played some real players in Delpo and Anderson, but they were not doing much before that. 
run. Uh, Nadal plays uh, Ferrer first, who Ferrer, uh, former one number three, has beaten Nadal at this tournament 11 years ago, I think. Uh, but Ferrer's out of the top 100 now, falling pretty fast this year, has announced this will probably be his last Grand Slam, uh, looking to retire at a tournament in Spain next year, like Madrid or Barcelona. Uh, or Valencia. Or, that's, or is that no that's longer a thing? Oh, that was his home tournament, wasn't it? He's the man from Valencia. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's plausible. Anyway, nostalgia <laughs> trap. I mean, like, it's one of those, like, ooh, Nadal and Ferrer. Oh, that was once a French Open final. Oh, it's like Waz and Stozer. French it's Open like, final. Uh... Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, not gonna be, it's not going to be a great match. But Nadal, and Nadal uh, then gets uh, a couple of matches in here that are kind of, like, trappy. Like, Gilles Moeller has beaten Nadal at slams before, but Gilles Moeller is having a really bad year. And also retiring. Actually, this is also his last Grand Slam. Aww. So Nadal's just being an undertaker this tournament. <laughs> uh, and then if, if Moeller makes it, uh, carrying Kachanov is a third-round opponent. Kachanov's been, had no success against Nadal. So, I mean, it's a good draw for Nadal to draw winner early on. The biggest draw winner of all, though, is Jack Sock, who has lost eight straight matches and needed an absolute gift from the heavens and got one in playing... Uh, Guido Andreozzi in the first round, uh, who was ranked like 117-ish, somewhere in the 110s, I think. Uh, one of the last players to make an into main draw. That's a great draw for him, especially on hard courts. Uh, and then he plays Bedene or Basilashvili. Basilashvili's good. And then he he's he's very streaky, Basilashvili. Okay, I mean, he, 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 he has moments, but he's not someone who I would look at. And if, if Jack wins one match, I feel like he'll feel like he's on top of the world. Yeah, Because the bar has been set so low. Um, and so it really has. Uh, and then Kyle Edmund, he's actually has a pretty good record against too. Who's this possible third but round opponent? So, I mean, how is how is how is how is? I'm not saying I bet on Jack, but he couldn't. No, have but more. like, how is Kyle? How... Kyle's struggling. Is he? He has not been good this summer. No. Oh, okay, I was gonna say because it just seems to me that like Kyle is the bigger draw winner than Jack Sock because Kyle could play Jack Sock I mean, in the third round. No one near Jack Sock in a draw loses, but this is. Jack not fast for more. That's what I'm saying. And Jack needed help. Okay, and he, fair got, and he got help. Okay, I see there's your a argument. Lot, there's a lot of he could have look at the unseated names like in this section, like Ojay Aliasim even like I'm just pointing Quarry, at a random section. Query, Chevy, Chari, Rublev, Harrison. Yeah, they all would have knocked Jack sock Jack socks off. Um, <laughs> can't help it. Uh, bottom part of this quarter, Kevin Anderson is now the number five seed. Talk about a glow up. Kevin Anderson, yeah. after being one of those players outside top twenty who Nadal beat last year, has really backed it up. Made the Wimbledon final. Uh, we didn't air that episode, but Kevin making Wimbledon final was great. That whole long match, da 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 da. You be, guys are lucky don't that be you, mad don't have... you missed it. Yeah, it's it was a lot of we, we like, hate we hate hours was, of tennis. It was kind of like <laughs> method podcasting. It was like we reenacted the misery of that match just with our general. That's a, that's very true. That's very true. It was it was performing. It, yeah. it was late a late casualty of that match. It was abstract art. Yeah. So Kevin Anderson is is a possible quarterfinal opponent for Nadal. Uh, opening against Brian Harrison, which should be a comfortable match for him. It's kind of like. Two guys doing the same thing, one of them doing it much better. Uh, they do the same thing? And they both have big serves and forehands, and Kevin's just way better at it. That's my take on that match. Harrison's a way better mover and defender and counterpuncher. I mean, I don't think... He I moves don't... and counterpunches, but it's not his strength. It's not how he wins matches. It's how he plays matches. Okay, well, that that is a <laughs> distinction that I... Fair enough, I will defer, but I, I've always thought of Ryan Harrison as more of kind of like... He wins by grit, not by because he overpowers anybody. I don't think so. I think it's like a trap he falls into. Anyway, uh, the fun match in this little section, Anderson's little section, is the the Canadian top The Canuck Derby. Yeah. Uh, Shapovalov versus OJ Aliasim, uh, who is in his Grand Slam main draw debut. First player born in the 2000s to make it to a Grand Slam main draw on the men's side. 
We're very excited for him. Very glad to see him get through. He's played a very limited schedule. He's kind of like shied away from the spotlight. I believe, I believe he skipped Wimbledon qualies altogether and just like focused on playing clay challengers during the grass swing. Just kind of a little bit seeming like consciously staying under radar and just like not getting the hype too much. But back home, that's a big splash introduction playing the Canadian, I think, number one. I think Ron is just still unseated. Maybe. I don't know. He's close-ish. Uh, it's a really fun match for the Canadians. Another player who's fallen, Sam Quarry. It was American number one, I think, this time last year, uh, and doing pretty well, and, and made it the quarters of the tournament last year. So he's got points to defend too. He won Auckland. Uh, sorry, he, he made it semi last year. He made semifinals Wimbledon. He won Acapulco. He won Los Cabos. He did the Mexican sweep. Uh, and are yeah, those tournaments still existing? Or he did not shut them down yet. They're both oh, still there. Oh, so resilient. Good. So that, that part of his of his uh, career is gone. But uh, Mexico. Yeah, uh, and then Anderson versus Team. I want to say that's a really that's a possible quarter. I want to say that Anderson's like five and zero or six and zero against Team. It's a weird head to head that Anderson like low key. Has Team won a match this summer? I don't know. I mean, I just I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't noticed him, so I'm gonna say no, or he hasn't won many matches. That's it's, for it's, sure. As we said about Sharapova, it was first round ish for Dominic Team. <laughs> Deaf ish. Yeah, yeah, I okay. mean, like, he just hasn't, I mean, and he, you know, who knows what he'll do. He's, he's, his results on clay are much better than results on hard court and grass. And that's, he's kind of numbers-wise a specialist. Even he's if, the ATP Kiki Burtons. Yeah. Although, but, like, last year. Mm-hmm. He needs to get himself a slouter. <laughs> Sloiter? A slouter. Sloiter. I think maybe I say sloiter. I say sloiter, but I think it's slouter. Is it slouter? I think so. Eh, we'll find Raymond, out if you're week. listening, first time caller. <laughs> Let us know. That is the top section of the draw. I think Nadal is pretty safe here. Uh, I think he is a, a draw. Can I ask you a winner. question? Yeah. Who is the favorite to win the tournament, Rafa or Novak? That's the question. I mean, like, I think they're kind of co-favorites. Okay. I was I was asking around in in Cincinnati, and I was getting like different answers. But everybody, but the people who said Novak, like like said it so definitively. Like a lot of people were like, oh, I think Rafa. But then a lot of I was like, I mean, they split the they split the Masters events. Like, they yeah, have equal grounding for it. I, I don't know why you would pick one so Maybe confidently Maybe because Novak's run was more impressive? Or? Here, Novak's draw is tougher. So Novak has the tougher road to get there, I think. Okay. Uh, let's go to the second Sorry. quarter of the draw. That's, no, that's fine. Second quarter of the draw is features career high number three, Juan Martin Del Potro. Del Potro! Uh, who is opening against Donald Young, who qualified today, beating Peter Polanski, who we'll get to later. Peter Polanski making history as Courtney rolls her eyes, becoming the first guy do a lucky loser slam you squint like it's not a thing it's totally a it's thing. not it's, i'm not squinty because it's not a thing and clearly it's a thing and i guess it's impressive because people like to collect things i don't know but if it's like, impressive it's just weird. and make full sets i just think like it's a weird celebration of failure no it's not a celebration of failure it's a celebration of like defying the odds there's it's so <laughs> it's hard to be a lucky loser there are not many lucky losers and it's the most like back ass Seemed words, pretty like easy walking. to be a lucky loser at the it's French like, Open. It's the way, well, that's true. That was true there, but it's this, and Wimbledon had a lot also on the men's side, but it's a way to like backwards crab walk into the tournament four times. It's like, it shouldn't be done this way. There's a door. You can walk upright if you want to. I just think it's a weird thing doing to celebrate, it. man. I'm not saying, I mean, celebrates, whatever. I just, I just do. I just, I think it's, I think it's weird. While Martin Del Potro opens against Don Young, uh, and that was your, in advance, Peter Polanski update. Uh, then gets Berrettini or Kudla, and then gets possibly Andy Murray uh, in the third round. Andy Murray opens against James Duckworth, and then plays Feliciano Lopez or Fernando Verdasco in a battle of Spaniards. If Andy Murray plays at all. 
if Andy Murray plays at all, which is always a caveat with Andy. He said the same things he says before a lot of slams. The thing is with Andy, I mean, Andy's like not a reliable narrator, let's be real, in terms of his prognoses. He always, this is going to sound meaner than I need it to, but he always kind of talks like a good game before the slam starts, and then he pulls out. So, what do we, we don't know. I mean, we'll see when he takes court. He should, Duckworth is not an intimidating opponent for him. Uh, I think was the last guy into the main draw of the tournament directly. It's uh, just a matter of having to play best of five against the James Duckworth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, It's, it's like, a matter of having to play best of five against, like, against of a Verdasco. It. I mean, like, Duckworth, yeah. I think he'll think he can no, get through. No, I know. I'm just, you know. And again, it, and, if, and if, you know, if best of five is shortening Andy Murray's career, you, you, know, you, you, know, you know what you did. <laughs> you know what you did. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Del Potro then could face uh, in the, a couple couple of the youngsters in this section. High seeded Stefano Sitsipas here, number fifteen seed, uh, born in Chorich, also in there. Sitsipas made the Canada final since last we spoke and beat four top ten players there. Burton's esque Sabalenkin even Ooh. this this performance. And just we just want to make sure because you know as NCR we don't check in often as we've mentioned before. Yeah, we just want to make it clear we are very firmly. On Team Stephanos. Team Steve the Hawk. Steve the Hawk. Big fans. Yeah. Just like, not fan. I mean, obviously his game's great or whatever, but just like everything about him, he's so yeah. incredibly fascinating. I have a story um, coming like, out on him soon, which will hopefully fill in some of these gaps. Oof. And that just, I, yeah, I, I think fascinating is a good word for him. I think he's a very unique, interesting character. And like I was saying, uh, I think I said, I think I mentioned him actually early on when I was talking about like things that when we're talking about not doing NCR as much, like things that sort of rise to the level of, oh, I'm actually excited to talk about this thing. Stefano Tsitsipas is definitely yeah. one of those things. He crosses that threshold he for sure. He crosses that threshold, and he's just an interesting character, to say the least. And he's going to get, hopefully, a lot of Greek support. There's a lot of Greeks in New York. and I'm hoping for him and Sakari to get, like, the big, like, be put on an out-of-court, have the chance and everything. Like, it won't be as crazy as, like, what it might be if it was Australia, but it, it yeah. should be fun. I thought, yeah, okay. At first I was like, are they playing mixed? No, but they are no, playing No, no, I mean, just Hoffman. like that they get put yeah, out there, yeah? I get yeah? separately. Yeah, but I get that. I like this draw for Delpo. I think it's pretty good. I mean, Tsitsipas is uh, is playing well for and sure. is rising confidence. And it's amazing. His rise has been so fast that, like, and he's even the best. He's not having, even though he's only made one fourth round, he's not doesn't seem to be having the Zverev hurdle yet. Where, I mean, his, his slam results have t- ticked along with his other mm. results. He made fourth round Wimbledon. Which was his best career. I did not result. realize he made fourth round of Wimbledon. Yeah, he okay. made fourth round of Wimbledon and lost to nice. Isner. Um, Isner is actually in this next section. We'll just get to him now. Isner's in here as a possible quarterfinal opponent for Delpo. Uh, Isner facing, it's a good draw for himself. Really good draw, actually, for Isner. Uh, against Bradley Klon first, and then uh, Nicholas Yari or Peter Goliovchik, who's actually, Goliovchik's had a decent year, but it's not a scary match for Isner. And then high seed is Jumer, faces Lajevic, Thompson, or Nori. Isner off of his Wimbledon semifinal, which is the best slam result ever, then could face Ronich. Oh, there's Ronich. He's 25. Is that ahead? That's just ahead of, of Shapovalov to answer my previous query. Uh, then Isner could face uh, the winner of this first round redo with Dimitrov and Vavrinka. Vavrinka is probably the more dangerous of the two, but it's a lot of it's a lot to ask for, for Stan to still be in good fighting shape. To, uh, like to, to stack ma- matches. Right, to stack matches to be in yeah. good shape against a guy like Isner for the fourth round. Isner, I, I you know, is, I think it's a good bet to make the, the quarters here. Isner's not good against Delpo. So that's a good matchup for Delpo. So I expect uh, Delpo to get through that, this section. I, I think this, I think the section to me feels really straightforward. Yeah, no, it, it's, it definitely seems that way. I just want to shout out the two names that I do not recognize at all. Colin Altamirano. 
No, I know Palo Alto, Maryland. You uh, do? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Okay. I'm literate. <laughs> Lloyd I'm Harris? An American. Lloyd Harris. Yeah. Of South Africa. Okay, and, and the other one is Hugo Humbert. No clue. <laughs> French guy. These are these are both uh, qualifiers. Lloyd Harris, I think, just recently cracked the top 100. Uh, South African. Just, is he young? Yes, he's pretty young. I just, I do you know a young Lloyd? I don't live in South Africa. I don't know their lives. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Lloyd is such like a, like, There's a you know, no- for, of my generation, Lloyd is a very popular name because of Lloyd Dobler of Say Anything, John Cusack, and... And Dumb and Dumber. Oh, see, okay. I didn't make that connection, yeah. but you're right. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I've known a millennial Lloyd. There's also Lloyd uh, Glasspool, another oh, young yeah. tennis player. So mm. it's just clearly not in the U.S. Maybe but it's elsewhere, like, like, like parents things. who grew up watching Say Anything, naming their kids, and now they like the name Lloyd. Or grew up watching Dumb and Dumber. I think Say Anything. Uh, <laughs> if they're married, it's Say Anything. Yeah. So Delpo, I think it's in good shape there, and yeah, he would play Rafa in a semifinal like he did last year. That'd be fun. It'd be fun. I mean, those matches almost always go to Rafa. Let's I mean, real. their their Wimbledon match was absurd. It was. And put Andy Murray off of best of five. So I, I think it really killed two birds with one stone there. <laughs> what more do you want? Great match and converts a, and converts a big four guy. Um, you just make it the people watch the matches. It's the thing. Because the thing is, the thing we, we haven't talked about this, it, Courtney's alluding to this interview I did with Andy Murray, uh, where he said that he was talking about being a commentator and he, on his own, brought up the fact that he was like, Stunned at how long these matches are. Yeah, no, Andy commentated for BBC. The one match he commentated for BBC was the lengthy match between Rafa Nadal and Juan Martino Potro at Wimbledon, which also took place during the England football game. So, like, it's kind of crazy. Like, nobody watched that match in Britain. Yeah. I was, like, hearing some of the numbers of what was... I was, like, shocked. Yeah. Like, how low they were. Like, and it was an amazing match. Like, I was super riveted. But Andy was, like... Not surprising, given England World Cup. Best yeah, no, for sure. Time. But it, yeah. it was just... You know, it, it, it really genuinely had an impact, the World Cup, on, on, on viewing figures yeah. when England was playing. But, yeah. Um, and those England games took 90 minutes. They were tidy. I mean, this match, and the thing with this best of five debate, for that particular match being the conversion point, that was not uh, the longest match of the tournament, or even close to it, honestly, because Isner Anderson. And it was also not a match that went long past 6 all in the fifth. It was a match that was 6-4 in the fifth. And still managed to last four hours and 45 minutes. And what Murray was saying, and people took this, like, really disingenuously. It was sort of annoying in the feedback to that quote. They were saying, oh, he missed his dinner, poor thing. What Andy was saying was, this is a sport that, like, how can you plan your life around this with this format when you have to sit there possibly for four, nearly five hours to watch a, a full match? And being a commentator, he had the unique experience of having to stay in that booth the entire time. No bathroom breaks, whatever. And, and it clearly... It, it was it was interesting to me also that even a guy like Andy, who we know loves tennis, was surprised at what it was like to actually have to sit through a match. And he's played lots of matches like that. Yeah, and they've been interminable, as yeah. for some that I've seen. That have, when yeah. Andy Murray gets dragged into a fifth set, it's it's never really all that pretty. It means that the five set somewhere something's gone wrong. But um, but yeah, I mean, I had gone on a I think a fairly significant rant on the the lost episode yeah. the post Wimbledon episode discussing it but I'll just kind of condense my point on it which is exactly what Andy alluded to eventually because uh, I made my rant and then Andy gave the interview yep. but like you teed it up for him. I teed it up um we text we don't. <laughs> I don't I don't know Andy Murray outside of interviewing him when outside I was a sports of your illustrated. dreams oh, he's a good boy but um but no just the discussion of um to me and there are many for a sport that is like super has this image of being country club and whatever, which I reject a lot in some instances I do too. because it's not that way, especially it depends on the country. It might be country club in the UK, but 
it's not country club. Like, you know, I mean, it is, but it's a lot more scrappy than I think the people. Look at the players who actually make it to pro tennis. It's very few country clubbers. Yes, exactly. So, um, but for all of its, 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 um, perceptions about being this rich, fancy sport, to me, the most classist thing about tennis is this inherent systematic idea that people, working class people, which is the majority of the world, yep. have time to set aside a variable amount of time, two hours to five hours, of their weekends, of their weekdays, if you're at a slam, it's a weekday, yep. to sit and watch a match. The same players playing. Yep. Right? When you don't know the time that it starts, you don't know when it ends, you cannot actually plan for it until like two days before you'll know what that match is, if it's even happening. And so this idea... and. And we were seeing this as we we're, you know, as all the discussion about Davis Cup was happening about best of five, best of three, and people, and there was this weird, there was this weird tenor that was like bubbling to the top of like tennis Twitter that really made me uncomfortable. Of if you can't sit through like a best of five match, you're not a real tennis fan. I really hated that. I really, really did. I'm like, this is not a competition as to like who can be the better tennis fan. And actually, honestly, if you're a hardcore tennis fan, you're going to watch best of three. Completely. That's not the point. The point is like trying to expand the sport. The point is trying to get more people to watch the sport that we love so much. And if the format is preventing people t- from watching it, because why? I mean, there are a lot of reasons why football is the big soccer is the biggest sport in the world. But one of the things that I am so envious of is that. You can go, and and we used to do this when we were working, and I was a white-collar person. Like, I wasn't even blue-collar. But we could say, okay, my friends could say, oh, Real Madrid's playing. It starts at 1230. I'm going to be done by 2. I'll get back to work. When in tennis can we ever say that? We can never, ever say that. And when it gets into that, that's where I start to get really, really uncomfortable about this idea of, like, like, well, if you're a real tennis fan, you you can set aside six hours to watch a match. That is baloney. Like, and if that's the if that's the bar that we're setting, and if that's the standard and the and the kind of proto unemployment shouldn't be, a, be a part. shouldn't be it's a barrier weird. to entry. Yeah. I mean, like you shouldn't need all day. And yeah, and the sport, I think I, people. I, I, remember, I remember who it was, and and I, it goes to this thing. I, I quote that I, I think one broadcaster who we know. I think you paraphrase this to me, but I liked it. Said that if tennis is trying to say small. And it's doing a really good job yes. by making the sport inaccessible. And even at U.S. Open, which has the fifth set tiebreaker, people are like, finally, some reason. Like, it's just such a red herring, the fifth set tiebreaker. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, folks. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it just makes no difference because it took, you know, Isner and Anderson more than four hours to reach six all in the fifth in their match. I think like 420 or something like that. Lol. Like, there's, you know, that's too long already. And I know, yes, and people are like, it's absurd. They go longer and longer. Actually, that's my, that was my favorite part of the whole match, when it's like at least at the finish line. And you feel like, but when you're spending so long, these preliminary stages that are just like ultimately are meaningless. Like if Rafa goes out and loses the first set to Ferrer in the first round, will anyone panic? Absolutely not. No, it'll be like, oh, well, he's playing time to course correct. It just makes it boring, makes it not interesting. And if Simona Halep loses the first the first set can to Kanepi, it it's be? a real problem for her. Absolutely. It's an alert. And why is that a bad thing to make the matches matter quickly? Why is that a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. I do think this uh, is going on too long. It reminded me of the last episode a little bit, but not as bad. <laughs> Believe me. Going it was, the hatch? It was yeah. bad. It was bad. 
um, yeah, so all that is to say, Andy Murray, smart guy. And just, if you like Best of Five, try watching one without any breaks. Don't get up. Don't, you know, because it also when you're at or a tournament. go find a friend and ask them, hey, who do, who isn't really and, into tennis, isn't is aware of it or whatever, ask them to sit and watch the whole thing. And like, re, like really? I don't know. Like, and, it, it's worrisome thing. Yeah, and it's just it's just bad. But yeah. also, just but just generally, like, if you love Best of Five, bless you. Like, that's fine. It's okay. If you want to play that, if you love to watch a five, six, seven hour match, that's totally fine. But this, again, the thing that made me uncomfortable with how people were talking about the sport was, like, this idea of, like, you love the sport more because you want to watch more of it. That is absurd to me, and I find it... People... I just find it not insulting but just like i just i don't i just don't like that i don't like that tone i don't think that tennis fans should act that way like like you should want as many people to love the thing that you love every time i say anything about best of three or best of five on the twitter i get comments <laughs> it's my favorite thing <laughs> on from people saying like oh this is why you, you hate tennis so much why are you cover tennis you know if you clearly don't like it like, do you see how friggin' geeked I am about this Polanski <laughs> lucky loser slam? Like, do you know the level of, like, absurdity in my life with tennis at this point? And you're going to come out here and be like, oh, you don't like it because you don't want to spend four hours watching a match when you can spend two. Like, as a writer, I appreciate editing. We've done this before. Let's just, let's just move <laughs> I feel like we've said it, but it just, I just, even... I just wanted to say the thing about, about how we talk the about classes, it. And the judging, classism is, is And is judging important. people for, like not wanting to sit there for five hours and thinking that you're somehow better yeah. as a fan. Don't do that. It's gross. Just don't, please. Just don't do it. Amen. Speaking of Peter Polanski, he opens against Alexander Zverev. <laughs> it's the, not a thing! <laughs> uh, Peter Polanski getting his fourth lucky loser in a row. No man had ever, no man or woman actually, had ever, I don't I think woman, definitely man. No one had, has had, failed so luckily. Right, but no one had ever even gotten three lucky losers in a row or three in the same year until Polanski, as Courtney makes obscene <laughs> gestures, uh, which I will brush off, uh, gets four. <laughs> Peter's the past NCR guest, and actually, his NCR appearance was during the 2017 Australian Open, and it was about him being a lucky loser there. So his prior experience, he's been building up to a breakdown like this, like a, you know, uh, a CNC Music Factory song. Uh, it's a 30 Rock joke, which I didn't so do very good. well. No, I enjoyed it. <laughs> but thank you. We're getting punchy. It's one fifteen for Zverev. Speaking of draw winners, not only does he get the guy who loses for a living, he gets uh, Peter. I know you've you've. You do okay. Uh, he's in a great section of the draw. This oh, section yeah. of the draw is amazing for him. Holy he, crap. He, he gets uh, Polanski and then Vesely Mute, then Krajinovic, Ebden, Humphman, Kohlschreiber. Uh, we're not seeing Kohlschreiber seated. He's usually like a good 32 seat or so. Uh, and, and then, usually and then Johnson, is in his section of the draw. There you go. Uh, I know my ATP. We're, we're cooking with gas now. And then, and then Schwartzman <laughs> and Nishikori uh, there. It's all a great, great draw for Zverev. Yeah, this is another really situation. Good. Like I said before the French Open, if he fucks this up, it's on him. And then the, and the top of it, Chilich is the guy. I think he has a decent record against, I want to say. Uh, and then Golfan has not had a great summer. It's a summer. nice draw from Chilich up until... And no, yeah, these are, these are both the draw this winners. Is this is an empty quarter. Chilich and Zverev Woo! should both coast through here. Chekinato, I can hear the echo. Chekinato. <laughs> Chekinato uh, hasn't done great. It's a good opportunity, this draw, for Nishikori. I think Nishikori could be the spoiler in here for Zverev. I mean, he's could play in Potential fourth round. Gael, second round. First though. of all... Uh, K versus Diego would be a great match of like 
just like baseliners who are just, just scrappy. Just and, say and short. Co- Courtney made the the hug emoji sort of face, whatever that is. Uh, she's chin handsing. Uh, <laughs> what? Chin handsing. You're putting your chin. Is on your that hand. actually like a, a a phrase? It is now. Okay. <laughs> uh, we are not cooking with gas. <laughs> <laughs> the gas is off. <laughs> the gas is run out, and the pot is still on the stove, and we're just staring at it. Bottom quarter. Features Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer, which is a star power upgrade for what we just looked at significantly. But they both have pretty... Well, Federer... Start with him. He gets Nick Kyrgios in the third round. Kyrgios has a great draw to get there, facing Radu Albert and then Yuki Bambri, or Pierre-Hugues Herbert. Uh, Federer and Kyrgios have played a lot of great matches. I hope they get to play here. It'd be their first slam match, I believe, if they do get to play. But Kyrgios has been so unreliable he's clearly playing through some sort of debilitating hip injury and just like is putting off surgery out of boredom i'm not really sure at this point or out of intrepidation or whatever but he's like just been kind of walking wounded this whole year and it's been frustrating to watch you know it's just the kind of thing that makes you sit back and say to fuck sometimes honestly i see what you did there i see what i did there too but i'm going to quickly delete that <laughs> uh because i just don't have the balls to stand by it uh federer then could play fanini and yeah. chong and then, and then uh, could play Djokovic in the uh, quarter, which would be a rematch of the Cincinnati final in which Djokovic got his Jokimon. Is that a cute tennis thing, which which you appreciate? Jokimon, super big okay. fan. Better than the Polanski Lucky Loser Slam. Absolutely, um, Jokimon's a legit thing. Has a, a nice fun ring to it. I'm pretty proud of that um, one. Golden Masters, very uncomfortable oh, for me weird. as a phrase. <laughs> um, but but I I'm a little insulted that you would overlook. <laughs> Golden Master feels like it would be like someone's like like preferences on some fetish website, doesn't it? That's, that's you said it, not me. I I was keeping Your it. Your face clean. said it. My face says a lot of things, which is why we podcast and not do vlogs. Um, but uh, you are overlooking the big potential second round match between Roger Federer and Benoit Power. They played in uh, Hala, and it was. Pretty I love fun. it. I love it. I love that matchup. It'll be fun. So yeah, no, I mean, obviously, this quarter is is the one that everybody's kind of like. I mean, I was watching the live stream of the draw, and people, like, audibly gasped. Of, like, <gasps> Rogers in Novak's quarter. It's like, yeah, yeah. It was a punchy like, crowd at that draw. Like, Given that, they, 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 were, they gave reaction They noises. were into it. They were into it. It was yeah. down, in, down, in, down near World Trade and yeah. downtown, which was a long way to trek, which is why a few of us didn't go. Um, There's no reason to go. No. I mean, if you're not even seeing them pull chips, like, what are you even looking at? <laughs> this is also true. But even if you're pulling chips, you know, I'm... I've kind of been, I'm, I'm over draw ceremonies, <laughs> to be general. Like, gen, like uh, okay, like, if it's, like, at the slams, I love a maybe. good live suite of the draw ceremony, though. But, it's suspenseful. Who cares? You get, you get people, like, hanging out. on your every character. It's I feel like the, the live tweeting of a draw ceremony, and I do, and I still do them, and it's fine. Obviously, all my colleagues do, and Ben, mm-hmm. as he says, it's, it's like the I, reason like, that he lives. I feel like I invented it. I think he actually did. I think that yeah. your format of how you do it with, like, the projected this and that and first rounds yeah. and, like, whatever has been good. But, um, so patent that. Make some money. Um, but, and then buy me dinner. But, there's some good steak fresh. I owe you dinner, right? I feel like I do. I don't I've been paying for too much lately. Have I? Yeah. <laughs> you paid for that Uber up here the other night. That was unnecessary. I Where? could have, like, the one last Oh, from night. Soho? Yeah. But I was going to just hop in an Uber. Like, I know, but then you I just, just hopped in the Uber with me. But then I just absolutely me. barnacled onto you like a friggin' leech. to use mixed... But I was going. Mixed, uh... It's okay. You had to sit in a what is the word mixed but invertebrate. You, but metaphor, you had metaphors. to sit in a in a in a shared Uber pool with I a would bunch not have of gone pool. with I would a, not have with, gone a pool. with a couple of Asian bros. I was surprised you went pool because you're generally not stingy and you don't like people. 
well, it wasn't my money. So, like, I didn't want to, like, waste company money. Oh, you were money. expensing that? Yeah. Oh, no, I, don't, I no longer feel bad about being that car. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It was work-related. Um, uh, so, back to the draw. Sorry. Uh, we'll leave that part in. That's fine. Uh, Djokovic, Federer, any obstacles for them? Were we saying something else? I forget if I I mean, maybe a Fanini if he gets hot. And Raj, I don't know what that matchup looks like historically. Historically, I apologize. Um, Nick, if he just strikes, you know, because Nick just is going to play for the tiebreak. Hold, 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 and then play best of seven. So that is like, which is like a fascinating way to play. And I love his matchups with Roger because of that. Nick is... It's PKs. Nick is statistically a complete surf bot. He doesn't play like one. You look at him and you don't think like... He's Isner, he's Anderson, he's... Are you, you look like one of those inflatable guys no, outside of a car dealership. The, I was doing the surfboard dance. The Beyonce surfboard oh, dance. Oh, the, the surfboard dance. Okay, gotcha. But I'm like sitting. So, yeah, I probably <laughs> did look like the parking lot, like, air guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but Kira's stats like a surfboard, so he will he does play a lot of tiebreaks. He's also a really poor return statistically, which is another part of being a surfboard. Um, even though he's like flashing goes for a lot of like like highlight reel it's a weird highlight reel surfbot brand that he's invented it, is it, he it's... highlight Milos Ramic mm. oh that is a fire take Ben and mm. I'm going to attribute it to you because uh. you know that some janky Australian newspaper or website is going to quote things from this podcast it's usually build... British it's not well, oh yeah no, for, no, for Austra- the Aussies for Curios content we do get Australia it's always Aussies and it turns into a whole thing and shout you wake out to up whoever in the from express.co.uk is listening and get are getting like 17 stories out of this episode it's incredible you wake up Uber. and all your mentions are like what and it's all these people these Aussies who are real mad it happens to me all the time real mad about something <laughs> I said on NCR about Curios yeah and I'm like what um Nick Curios Highlight, yeah, I for I you took the time away from my joke, but I'm gonna Sorry. set it back up. In terms of him being like highlight Ronich, I would say, uh, technically yes, hypothetically no, or whatever that whatever that <laughs> T-shirt we sell is. We sold like three of those. We did great. I bought one. Yeah. Um, Doug Robson has one of those hoodies. Shout yes. out to Doug Robson. Doug, Doug loves it. Come back to us, Dougie. Yeah. He's um, listening. Yeah, but Djokovic, I, I think Djokovic Federer, and I would give have to give Djokovic the edge, given recent form Federer's. Second half that of was year, a dire been... final. I mean, Roger was... Roger, Roger sucked. Like, was he returning with a baseball bat or a ping pong paddle? What was going on there? Like, 70% unreturned serves? And not like not like Novak was treeing. Jeez. Talk about not being Ronish. Novak was not being Ronish. He was just, you know, serving so adequately, annoying. and Roger couldn't do it. And Roger was very gracious about it afterwards. He was honest. He was like, I played, like, poo. But it's Novak's day. So. <laughs> is that is that how we're defining graciousness? I don't think of, I don't know if tennis Twitter defines that as graciousness. Yeah, the quote read well. The quote played well on the Twitter. Okay, the right. Twitter didn't get mad at that one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they and they are easy to get mad. Although you probably can quote something Federer said and said, "Why didn't you say what Rafa said about this match?" Super random. Just connecting these two things because Novak. Okay. But last night okay. at the 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 at Nick's uh, uh, gala uh, gala, <laughs> there was a whole like drag portion of the show. Um, and which is not in the audio. No, which is not in the audio, but it is on the Facebook page if people yeah. want to watch it. There's a trivia section hosted by um, the two women who do Holding Court. Yes. Uh, lovely ladies. The first ever tennis drag public uh, cable access show. <laughs> and they got Bud Collins and John Wortham as guests on their show. Like, that was, I was like, well, Bud Collins was on your show? That's impressive. Highly, highly, highly recommend that you go back and you watch it. It's very funny. But my favorite moment was at the end when one of them was thanking the crowd by doing the Novak. <laughs> push and like everybody in the crowd got it because like the minute he's like everybody's like hey and i was like i love everyone in this room <laughs> thank you so much 
was pretty great. This was a gift. And with that, I guess we should wrap up. Sure. With, with, with a gift. Wrap this up with a bow. Thank you guys for listening. Big picture takeaways. Who wins the U.S. Open? Now that you look at the draw, Novak or, or Rafa? I'm going to go Rafa. Okay. But like 50.1%, you know? That's not my favorite matchup. Like, I've just seen it. It's one of those things in terms of best of five. Also, just like repetition. Like, I don't need to see. Federer or Novak, I like because there's like an edge to it. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Novak, Rafa doesn't really have that edge. Uh, and so it's not a matchup I crave, but there hasn't been a big high profile. Well, I guess there was a woman in the semifinal. Yeah. That was good semifinal, though. Mm-hmm. So I would like, I would not be exhausted by that being the final this time, put it that way. I, I would be ready for that, however many 50 plus times they've played. It's absurd. It's the most prolific rivalry in men's tennis it's ever. It's so crazy. Um, yeah. It's like getting, it's not going to get catch Everett and Navratilova, but it's like closer than anything else it's gotten. Ain't nobody catching Martina and Chrissy. There you go. Chrissy's Twitter game, by the way, lately, it's been so good. So fire. Most improved tweeter of the last oh decade. Oh my gosh, absolutely. She's just getting it. She's nailing it. Shout out to you, Chrissy. Loving you, Chrissy. Loving the work. Loving the effort. Loving the hustle. Because I know that she's putting in the work behind the scenes. Big fan. And like, you know, weighing in. And yeah. that's the thing. Having like, takes. I, having takes. That are not bad takes. They're not bad takes. And, and when they're bad takes, she can, she'll revert, she can, she can be talked off them. Like, yeah. like she doesn't like, like, so much of like tennis punditry like no this is what i think and it will be always what i think and i don't care what you say and it's always i'm like okay that's a bit i'm just you're a wall i was thinking one of her recent takes we didn't see sergey stakovsky in the straw did we who sergey stakovsky who he's not in the straw oh is that right no he, he tried to be oh okay how did that go not well okay sorry just you know there's no i have no grander point than just rub salt in the wound and and and, and and sneer in his direction. Is I have no time for him. I do not know him. I do not know her. <laughs> Whatever. I like the follow-up gift from that with Mariah. Which is, have you seen the follow-up one? Where it's mm-hmm. like someone else asked her about it again. And she was like getting into a car. She's like, I still don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> it's tremendous. I'll find it. I still don't know her gift. So good. It's pretty good. Uh, and we still know that you're listening maybe. <laughs> Bless you if this you've made a, it this far. Again, we just tend to go long. It's actually not as long as it feels. But... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Maybe they, they might feel differently. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Challenge Manning. If you want to follow along when you're not listening, uh, follow both of us individually in the U.S. Open. We'll be doing a lot of stuff. Matt Ben Rothenberg, New York Times always turns it out for the yes, U.S. Open. They do. We do a lot of stuff. Subscribe if you don't subscribe. Uh, just just for the tennis. If you want to unsubscribe after the U.S. Open, I don't care. Uh, just you'll probably forget to. Um, but subscribe. You'll get a lot of stuff. A lot of letters on the ground. A lot of big features. A lot of magazine stories coming out. A lot of U.S. Open preview section stuff. Uh, aforementioned Tsitsipas story, which hopefully you'll enjoy. Uh, you are doing stuff too, Courtney, with WTA Insider. You have some help here from Reem. I, I do, yeah. Reem. with uh, Reem Abaleo, friend yeah. of the show, frequent guest of the show. Uh, is here in New York for the first time, I think, ever covering yeah. this tournament, which is pretty cool. And she and you will be combining forces there, which I'm, it's, a, it's a tag team if there ever was one. That's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty daunting pair. And crushing it for two, the inside. Two halves of a single brain, there to be go. quite honest, when it comes to our, our tennis yeah. coverage, yeah. And uh, you two will be doing that on WT Insider. You're at 4 Dudes Twits also, Reem, Reem Abuleil. Uh, thank you to everyone who came out to, I oh, didn't just sh- said this earlier, thank you to all listeners who came out to Nick's event last night yes. in Soho. It was really great to meet a lot of them, Shola and Tuan and all the people we'd heard, and a lot more people, David Eversoff. Who, Steven. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Steven, like, he, and, and his partner. I didn't get to like, meet him. He was oh, no, lovely. He was the one helping with the feed, right? Yes, he was up front helping I with the feed. I didn't realize that was him until and I later. Didn't re- exactly. Today when he tweeted, I was like, oh, you, this Steven? Okay. Yeah. So 
yeah, I mean, it was, I wish we would have had more time to kind of mingle. We we kind of had to get out of there quickly, but it was such a great event and, and, and hopefully it's a conversation that continues and, yeah. and needs to continue and stuff like that. So, but it was fun. If I ever had any of Nick's event planning stamina, oh my and I gosh, do yeah. not, but I would love to throw like some sort of just like NCR party at some point, just for NCR peeps to I meet mean, with, with less of a, um, a schedule or sort of a show. I mean, we'll, we could do some sort of live show or something, but like, you know, just to sort of chill and have fun. US Open and... next year. Shake on it. Okay. At PJ Carney's. PJ Carney's? <laughs> the, 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 yeah, our, our joint. I would not host any event. I, oh, oh, host? Like with like PA and I just thought like get people together. I would like more people than could fit around a table. Oh, see, Ideally. I don't. <laughs> okay. Fair. This is where we're different. So we're announcing a public event to our thousands of listeners for they feel about a small table. <laughs> I'm talking See, too tall. We're not baby. good at the events thing, Courtney. It's not for us. It's not for us. We'll, we'll figure, if anyone wants to, you know, That's take why over we, we and we thank plan the a... Lord for the gift of Nick McCarvel. He's pretty great. Uh, and other things you want to rant rave about, as Nick, as we sign off here? Um. Oh, I'm gonna do a couple of raves. Oh, three raves, very quickly. I'm ready. Yeah. Number one. The the season four of Unbreakable uh, of of Kimmy Schmidt is amazing. Mm. I thought it was really really genuinely funny, better than than three and two. So it's the that best show season went off the rails for me. So I'm glad to hear I know. That. So it's the best season since season one, which I loved. So Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. It's tremendous. the last season, right? It's ending. I think it's I think it's yeah. end. Yeah. Secondly, I went to the flagship store of Uniqlo here on Fifth Avenue. I got lost in it. It's so enormous. It's like three stories. It there are three floors. It has a Starbucks, whatever. But I just want to say. Again, and I know I've said this on Twitter, Uniqlo is awesome. And like, I'm really, really happy that Roger is... Is it a Uniqlo hoodie you're wearing? It is a Uniqlo That's hoodie nice. and a Uniqlo t-shirt. Nice. So the thing is, is that like, so I went there and I bought like five t-shirts, this hoodie, um, a, a Mustard a color small, for those of you wondering. I, yeah, I've been looking for a mustard colored hoodie. Um, and the press room's so cold, so I needed a secondary hoodie. Yeah. Um, and I got like a bag something else and i went up and i was thinking when i was standing in line i was like man if this was the gap this is probably about 200 250 bucks worth of stuff rung it up 220 or 120 yeah for like whatever and like i got tons of compliments on this t-shirt today that i'm wearing which is like this gray thing it's like this collection with um uh, with basquiat art and stuff like that um and that's basquiat yeah it's like some of his like uh, like um, sketch it uh, or uh, hmm. journals and just stuff. Just like mathematical formula type. Of yeah, stuff. yeah, but it's like in collaboration with him and stuff. Oh, okay. But or his yeah, but uh, but yeah, fifteen dollars shirt. Anyways, I think it's great. It's it's a good store. So that third thing. You will just follow Roger anywhere, won't you? No, uh, <laughs> and then third. I mean, it's like reluctantly that I have like he signed. I was like, ugh, everybody's gonna no. Anyways. Um, but he's wearing dress shirts, button down. I know, to, which is great. To the the press scrum. I today. think it's great. I think it's great. Last thing that I will that I will give a quick shout out for is um for a total tech related one, but um but uh, I got these Rode like uh, Smart Lav Plus Lav Lavalier mics that plug into a smartphone. So it's a, a lav mic for those who don't know mm-hmm. is the mic that you clip to your shirt. It's a little one that's supposed to be invisible. Anyways, it plugs into your smartphone. You record whatever. I just think that they're fantastic. And so if anybody's in that biz that might need something like that, 
just wanted to give that a shout out. Yeah, it's, it's it a really good mic. Cool. We're not yeah. recording on them right now. We're not recording on right now. We're 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 sponsored by Zoom at the moment, but uh, but these Rode mics are really cool, and they, there's a, a adapter that allows you to plug two of them into your phone. So to actually uh, the podcast that's going to go up, the WTA Insider podcast with Reem previewing the uh, the the draw at the U.S. Open was recorded off of these outdoors um, with both of us just clipped in, and it was like nice because you didn't have to like hold a mic back and forth. You could just mm. like have a conversation. So I think you'll hear it. It's it's a lot more natural sounding. So I really kind of liked that setup. So it's a good mic and it's not like super expensive for a lav mic. So that's you know, it. You know who else recently bought a bunch of Rode microphones? I do not. Stefano Tsitsipas. Did he? Oh, upgrading. Did yeah, he got, he got, um, it was into the store, but he got at least some of them in Paris. Okay. Uh, he should have waited and got them at B&H Photo here, which is like the best store. You should, should just tell him about it. Yeah. He, he will go. BNH. Uh, my, I have a quick rave. I'm speaking of Sitsipas and the story coming. I've been watching a lot of YouTube lately uh, for that. And, you really have. But also, but like, one of the recommended videos that came up for me at some point was from the Bon Appetit channel. <laughs> and it's this uh, senior editor there whose name is Claire Saffitz. And she does, has this series of videos. It's called, called like Gourmet Chef Makes Whatever. And it's all these like junk food products that she tries to replicate in their text ke- test kitchen. Okay. With using, like, real ingredients and, like, sophisticated cooking methods. And, like, some, like, a lot of guesswork and a lot of science. And so she tries to make, like, Cheetos. She tries to make Oreos. She tries to make Gushers. Tries to make um, Kit Kats, which are surprisingly complicated. Tries to make, because um, I thought Kit Kats would be straightforward, but they, they were harder than they looked. What else were the other ones? She tries to make uh, Skittles. Ooh. Okay. And just it makes all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it was just very cool. And one of the cool things about it is it's coming from this, like, decently highfalutin magazine but there's this like very like positive attitude she's never like mocking the foods she's just very sort of like appreciating the original food for what they are and sort of the brilliance of each of those items and Digging then it. and then trying to do it and doing her own take on it and a lot of trial and error and a lot of error and just sort of like being just very affable and there's this whole sort of team around her who chimes in and stuff it's great uh look for like gourmet chef bon, bon appetit on youtube and I'm surprised that you didn't mention what I was going to make the outro to this episode. Um, so I was going to go back and say, Ben, stop. Let me go back and just say it because I, I, I you're right. And it's cute because we, he doesn't know what I'm going to say, but I know what he's going to say. Uh. It's the same. But I finally watched Crazy Rich Asians. It came out. Uh, we watched it in Cincinnati with Reem. Um, finally? Didn't you watch it like the day it came out? No. It came out on Wednesday. We watched it on a Saturday. Friday. Thursday? No, Friday. It was a Friday. Friday night. Okay. Yeah. Um, Finally, was, I waited two days. <laughs> I mean, if you knew, as everybody who follows me on it's, social knows. It's been your lock screen for a long time. It's been my lock screen on my phone. Um, it absolutely lived up to, it was everything that I needed it to be, which is very different than like all, everybody who's like viewing it through a cinematic lens. Like, oh, is it good? Is it, I'm like, yeah, that's so not how I'm looking at it. It was so incredibly moving to see what is essentially a very uh a hollywood trope story right i mean it's cinderella it's 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 yeah. it's you know girl meets boy girl finds out boy's rich parents meets, disapprove. yeah parents disapprove it's not a new story but it is and why is it because like everything about that movie what so blew me away is that there were so many opportunities in that film and please everybody go watch it like and if you can't afford to watch it like write me a tweet i will pay you i will buy you a ticket genuinely i mean within reason maybe for like the first like 20 people who do this but like like it, what was so incredible is that 
there were so many opportunities when you watch this movie where you could totally see Hollywood like whitewashing it a little bit or going and taking a decision that was going to be a little bit more mainstream. But there is so much about this movie that's so incredibly authentically Asian and specifically not just Asian, particularly to Singaporeans and in and that specific culture, which is so different than like other Asian cultures in Asia, but then also just the Asian American, Asian American experience of going back to Asia, which I've obviously had. And they just really nailed it. Um, Michelle Yeoh is a fucking queen. Unbelievable. Like, I just, I love her so much. Uh, Henry Golding, absolutely. Like, Asian Cary Grant. Like, that dude is just freaking good looking. Um, and it's funny and it's emotional and all that. But the thing that I want to shout out for, uh, obviously, everybody go watch the movie. But the soundtrack is, like, my, my like, my air right now. Like, it's all I listen to. Um, it's this great mix of kind of, like, canto pop like chinese covers of pop music but also um these like chinese i i don't know if they're covers or if they're they're original songs of kind of almost like like big band jazz songs like from like the you know what you would hear in like the 20s 30s and 40s but Mm -hmm. it's like totally in cantonese or mandarin uh that are super catchy um it's amazing and i would highly recommend everybody uh, like purchase and buy the soundtrack but the song that I've been listening to nonstop that makes me well up every single time. I nearly cried on the bus three times this morning coming into sight because I had it, uh, the soundtrack running on loop, is Catherine Ho's cover of Coldplay's Yellow, which plays during a very uh, important moment of the movie. But um, but that has, as Ben knows, as much as I make fun of Coldplay, that song is my jam. It has always been my karaoke jam. It's like my go-to. I fucking love that song. And her cover of it, which is different, um, it, it, it's not a direct translation, no. it's different lyrics, um, but it's in Mandarin, um, is, is just great, and um, the way that it soars and, and kind of crescendos is wonderful. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that movie was, was what I needed it to be, and it was it didn't disappoint, and there were a lot of expectations on it, and so it, I'm so over the moon about it. I assume you're going to go see it again this weekend. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. It's so, the movie is so on my mind that I need to see it before the tournament starts again because I'll just keep thinking about it like as the tournament and be distracted. Because the thing is, is like the first time I was watching it with you guys, I just so desperately wanted it to be good, right? The fear that it might be bad and like, oh my gosh. And I'm a film nerd, like, and yeah. if, you know, like I don't want this movie to be bad. So I want to watch it, and it wasn't. So I want to watch it again and be like able to sink into yeah. it. And just like enjoy it because the first time I loved it, but I, I really I was, was nervous for you. I knew how much, I know I knew everybody how much was like I, I just if it was bad, I, I, I just would have been so sad. Yeah, um, uh, because it would have been like, oh, we'll never get this again. But they greenlit a sequel, which is is going to obviously have Constance Wu and Henry Golding, but also the secondary story of Gemma Chan, who's Astrid. And at the end, when they're at the bar, um, Harry Shum Jr. is there. And so that's going to be following them. They mm-hmm. make eye contact and that'll be. Uh, I think the second one's called China Rich Girlfriend. Um, so yeah, it's 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 wonderful and it means so much to the to the Asian American community That's more so clear. more so than the Asian community. Yeah, because like I could imagine like in Asia they're like we watch movies with Chinese people all the time. Like what do you, what's what's going on here? Like this isn't new to us, but for the Asian American experience and especially because it it is commentary about how you know obviously we look Asian but we're not accepted back in Asia either and we're not accepted here and I think that the movie really does a really good job of laying that out um it it really hit home so I haven't felt that way about a movie since Joy Luck Club and it was it was it was great and um I would just ask that everybody see it because 
it's um you'll relate to it regardless it's not like an asian movie but um like it's like i said it's a it's a universal hollywood story but um it means a lot to us so you know go watch it if you can and with that we'll see you guys soon or maybe not <laughs> we'll see you guys <laughs> Who knows? this might be the last episode <laughs> bye guys Chung